I've got cancer, but I'm part of a clinical trial that could lead to new breakthroughs. I've got cancer, but I've also got researchers working together to find a cure. If you or a loved one has cancer, you need New Jersey's only comprehensive cancer center designated by the National Cancer Institute. I've got cancer, but I've also got hope. Learn more at rwjbh.org slash beatcancer. RWJ Barnabas Health and Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. Let's beat cancer together. RWJ Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org. Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin along with Sam Kassan. Welcome to another episode of Speak of the Devils presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, uh, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. And Sam, we got a special guest today, one of my favorites, one of the fans' favorites. He left it all out on the ice, played on the last team for the Devils that went to the Stanley Cup final. I'm very, very happy to say David Clarkson is the guest on the show today. And not only that, but he uh, said the only reason he came on the show was because of you, Matty, uh, <laughs> and the strong relationship you two have. And I think it's great because obviously phenomenal guy. I never dealt with him personally on the personal level that you did. But I can just tell from the conversation how open he is, how honest he is, how just down to earth and humble you know, the humility speaks to him. Uh, and obviously beloved it, very beloved by Devils fans, as you said, for many reasons. And I, I love the conversation and it was interesting because he ha- had removed himself from media and from the game in so many different ways. And for him to be willing and open to come back and try to get his ba- foot back in and to have him do it with us, honestly, it was kind of an honor. Very much so. And for those who are tuning in, wanting to hear about the run to the Stanley cup final, you'll get that. And wanting to hear some behind the scenes stories, you'll get that, but you'll also get, the real story, like how he had to come back off of all those disappointments, his career ending early because of injury and where it put him and how he came back. You're going to get that. And that's probably the most important take for me from this show that David Clarkson has been able to come through all that. And you'll hear he's very, very successful. He's got a wonderful family that keeps him busy. So without further ado, let's welcome David Clarkson to the show. David Clarkson, so good to speak with you. Got a chance to see you at the Marty Brodeur tournament, kind of rekindle some old memories. Thanks for giving us your time. No problem. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, it was kind of great seeing all the guys back at that event. It's been a while since I've been back there, so I really enjoyed it. So catch up our listeners. We're going to dive into a bunch of things, but what are you doing now? Um, I live in Colorado, uh, a dad of five. Um obviously getting ready for Christmas, but I've been helping with a youth program in Colorado, um, Colorado Thunderbirds. Um, we actually lost the New Jersey avalanche last year in the national championship, but, uh, it's been fun. I think coaching kind of has, uh, you know, I had some ups and downs there for a while, quite a few years after having to be done and coaching kind of helped me with that. Um, I do do player development for the Florida Panthers. Um, and then uh, the last thing I'm doing up to is been volunteering with this group of warriors, um, warriors program who are all ex-military guys that have served. Um, they've had to have served a tour. Some of them have purple hearts or 10% disabled. And it's been so rewarding um, doing that. So I only do it once a month and we travel, uh, play different warrior team, but 
still involved in hockey. It's kind of all I know and uh, miss it. And coaching kind of gives me an opportunity to give back. Well, you, you guys have been very successful. As you mentioned, you went to the championship game last year, but I'm not surprised that you are involved in the community because when you were with the New Jersey Devils, that was one of your hallmarks. So the fans loved you. You loved them. You reached out to community members. You wanted to really dig in to the fabric of not just the Devils and the NHL, but also the state of New Jersey. So I'm really not surprised. Where did all that start in your life that there's more than just playing the game? I need to use my platform to do good. Uh, to be honest, I, uh, you know, I live with my Nana growing up. And she was my best friend. She kind of helped raise me, um, live with us since we were kids. And I was playing for Pete DeBoer in Kitchen at the time. And she passed away. And she, I think a couple hours before she passed away, she said, hey, I'm going to ask you something. And I, you know, was in the hospital. I drove back from Kitchener. And she said, if you can ever help others, please do. And, you know, the next week she passed away. I started my charity in Kitchener called Clarkie's Kids. But um, you know, I then did obviously a charity there in, you know, New Jersey when I went to Toronto, but I just think as athletes, we're very lucky to have what we have and to be able to give back and help people and, and also thank the fans. I mean, I miss Jersey every day. It was, it was a, a, a place where kind of felt like home, um, being there sometimes hard because you miss it, but the people there were awesome. The, the teams we had, the culture that Mr. Lamorello created, um, the fan base. I mean, I, I, it was, it was never the same. I, I, it's, it was just a special place, but, a, but a lot of the off ice stuff I think came from my upbringing, but a lot from my Nana for sure. Well, tell us about uh, your upbringing, what it was like growing up uh, and how you got involved. I know everyone in Canada, basically when you're born, you get a pair of skates and push on the <laughs> ice, but how you got involved in hockey and kind of playing in, in your youthful days. Um, well, I mean, if you ask my dad, everyone said like, how did you, you know, my dad's born in Scotland, my mom's family's from Ireland and was like, how did you get your boy in hockey or why? And my dad's answer as a kid was always like, I didn't want him smoking cigarettes at Tim Hortons, you know? And so at a young age, and I think my parents put me in hockey just to keep me out of trouble to make sure that I, you know, I'm a big believer in sports, uh, not so that kids go on to play pro or go on to play college, but what you learn from your coaches and what you learn, you know, being on time, um, being a good person, working hard. I try to coach that way where that's what I try to tell these kids. It's like, it's a choice to work hard and it's a choice to be a good person. And I think that's kind of why my parents had put me in hockey. Um, growing up but you're right i mean growing up in canada i think at four, three four years old everyone's got a pair of skates on or out on the pond playing so um but for me i think you know my dad was an avid leaf fan um loved the game and kind of uh i just shared that passion with him and continued it on till i was older you kind of see that now in the reverse role obviously as a coach you're watching these young guys are watching them grow develop and mold into i mean obviously it depends on what levels and what stages but becoming men. Yeah. And that's probably the funnest part. I mean, I don't know what my past can take me next year. I'm going to, I think, you know, change some things I'm doing up, but the coolest part for me is, you know, when a kid, you know, gets to play that next level, we had a lot of kids committed D one last year and pretty special feeling when a kid calls you to thank you. And, you know, I think coaching is the closest you can get to playing. Um, 
you know, the coolest thing I've ever had happen wasn't even hockey related. I had a kid that uh, was struggling in school and I sat him for the next two weekends in a row because I didn't find his marks were appropriate. And with a month to go in the season, he walked up to me with a smile on his face and gave me his phone and he had straight A's. And, you know, I think as coaches, we forget it's not just about winning, but it's about giving these kids, you know, life lessons, but also being there for them. And, you know, for me, like, you live through these kids like they they don't realize it, but we need hockey as ex-players more than hockey probably needs us. But it's pretty cool to be able to give back to a group of kids that we were that kid one day. And not all of them are going to move on, but, you know, you're, you're able to be a stepping stone for them. And that's why I try to tell coaches all the time. It's you're a step to a stairway and you want to be a positive one. So I, I really enjoy it. Ken Klee is one of your assistants, or at least was last year. Is he still an assistant? Yeah, Kenny actually took over 16s. Um, I stepped down when I took the uh, job with Florida, and I decided I was going to be crazy enough to coach the U11s. Um, <laughs> and I absolutely love it. It's a good group of kids. We have fun. We've uh, had a good year so far. Actually, uh, John Mitchell also coaches in our program. Kyle Quincy, who played there for the Devils, was one of my coaches. Um, we're very lucky. We're just a group of buddies that kind of do it you know, to kind of help out. And I think we're all going to, you know, thinking about what we're going to do here in the future, because it does take time away from your family and things like that. But um, yeah, we really enjoy it. And Kenny's uh, got our 16 team this year. Um, it's just, it's funny, the connection there, but all three of us have uh, come through the devil's organization. Yes. And, and actually Jimmy Dowd called me yesterday. So I haven't talked to him in forever, but it's, it's funny, the circle in youth hockey, um, and my kid is actually not even playing in the program that I uh, am overseeing and kind of coaching in. So, um, which makes it kind of neat as well, because you don't have any skin in it at the time, right? You're just there to help the kids. Yeah. And I think I saw last year, Milan Hayduke's kid, or at least the same last name. Was it Milan's son yep. that played for last year? So yeah, a lot of hockey out in the Colorado area for sure. They've been there for a while since 1996, won a championship their first year. And of course, uh, sadly, but we, we we congratulate them. We remember how they beat the Devils in 2001. So yeah, it is really a hockey hotbed. So how did you find your way to Colorado? Uh, well, when I was done, and I mentioned it early, but I kind of was, uh, you know, bounced around a little bit. I had a, a bad surgery in Ohio. And then, um, you know, when I was still playing, you know, we used to do a camp out here in Vail, Colorado. Um through Andy O'Brien, uh, Steve Monador, Crosby, we would all come out here and do a camp in Vail. And I always loved it. Um, just love the area, love the way of life, the people, the views. Um, and when I found out I needed some surgery, I decided to go to the Stedman Clinic and had two surgeries there, uh, my back, you know, and then I had some rods put in and, um, so we went up to the mountains for a year to live, um, lived in the mountains, then moved down a little closer to Denver, the more kids we had. But what brought me here, to be honest, was needing to have these surgeries. And I just never left. I love the people are awesome. It's laid back and it's kind of a neat way to raise your kids. Who would have thought a kid from Mimico would have found his way <laughs> to the far west and up in the mountains and now just outside the city of Denver, right? Eh? Yeah, no, I know it's a bit of a ways and. My mom and dad were just out here uh, just to, you know, for Christmas with the kids. And um, I do miss home. 
I mean, like I said, I mean, I do consider Jersey a home, um, but I do love where I'm living now. And my, my kids seem to enjoy it. I've met a lot of friends, so it's been fun. I'll let Sam bop in here in just a second, but tell us about family. We hear some noise in the background and that's all good, man. It's life. It's love. We have, we're happy when we hear that, but, <laughs> but what's going on in the Clarkson household? I've got five little ones. My oldest one's 10 McKinley born in Jersey. Um, my son, obviously Colton was born in Toronto. I've got Tegan who was born in Ohio and my twins were born here in Colorado, um, Knox and Braylon. So, you know, very blessed, um, to have, uh, obviously wife, that's the way she is. And, uh, but, but also to have these, these little guys run around, they, they keep you young and kind of keep you laughing on a daily basis. So it's been, uh, a lot going on in this house, but, uh, <laughs> But it's a lot of love. We try to we try to raise them here, be good people, and have fun. And and uh, it's crazy household every day. I did want to touch on you. You mentioned you went to Colorado to have the surgeries. How is your health? How are you feeling? I know it's it was an issue that kind of plagued you throughout your career. And how are you feeling in general? Pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm just starting to dip my toes in a bit of men's league, and and uh, hopefully. I didn't put on any gear that had a logo on it. So guys were like, what the heck that guy played? Uh, but, but I'm doing well. I mean, um, my back's been really good. Um, you know, the, I, I've got a couple rods in my leg just from injuries throughout the past, but you know what? I, you know, I, I think the doctors I had were great. Um, it sucks when you can't do what you love to do. Um, or someone tells you, you know, you have to do this surgery or that surgery. And, and that was what I had a hard time overcoming, but my body feels really good right now. I mean, obviously a day you wake up with something, but it doesn't matter what you do for a living. I try to tell people whether you're sitting in front of a computer or something else, something's going to hurt you. So um, I'm doing really well right now. Yeah. My body's been great. So when you play the men's league, you don't have the logo, but are you just skating between these guys and laps around guys? And <laughs> I wish like that well, our men's league down here, I think uh, Maddie just touched on a little bit of the type of players that live here. We have a lot of retired guys, so it's a pretty good skate. I mean, we've got a a fun group, and yeah, I'm starting to feel better, starting to get in the gym a bit. Um, that was the biggest battle for me, I think, was, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, just wanting to get back in the gym, you know, or wanting to do things. And I think the more guys you talk to that are done, and, you know, when I was done, I actually had no equipment. Like when I started playing, I, I'm like looking at my wife, like I had two pair of skates from coaching, but I didn't have anything else. Right. I'd gotten rid of everything. And I don't know if that was to do with anger or what, but you know, it's just nice to be back at the rink goofing around after stuff and, uh, you know, getting back to the game that we all love, but we all end up in the same place men's league. So we're all, uh, all the boys down here enjoying it. Who else is there? You mentioned a couple other guys. Um, we've got Kyle Quincy, like we mentioned, John Mitchell, um, Milan Hayduke's here, Kenny Clee, Derek Armstrong. Um, geez, there's even more. Um, Footy's here, Adam Foot. There's a lot of, there's just a good core of guys that have all either, you know, uh, played or a lot of college guys. Um, yeah, we, we have we have a good group that we kind of play men's league together once a week. So it's not your normal men's league or your typical. No, men's league no. <laughs> I mean, I think Milan Hayduke could still play in the NHL if he wanted. That's how, uh, that's how good he looks out there. Uh, do you still play forward or are you like some players you find another position? No forward backwards. Okay. It wasn't my forte skating backwards. <laughs> so I, uh, I stay up front. 
<laughs> uh, you know, Clarky, we're going to talk about getting to the Devils, undrafted, signing with them, helping them to a Stanley Cup final, all that sort of stuff. And we know that the following year, you, you had a pretty good year still after the lockout, and then you signed with Toronto. We're going to get to all of that, but I, I want to skip ahead because you've touched upon it with you know, getting rid of your equipment. What was the reason there? I mean, it it had to be very difficult for you. The injuries pile up, the success you had because you're hurt, can't follow. And suddenly this game you love that you had done very well at is, is taken away for you uh, from you. How difficult was that period when it was finally over? Sorry, you kind of went in and out there for a minute. Um, yeah, it, it was a tough, it was a tough time for me. I, um, you know, I, I, I really didn't do any interviews when I was done. I stayed away from it. I kind of just, people probably wondered where I went to or what I did, but it's hard, right? Like when, when, when the game of hockey is, I don't want to say all, you know, but what you're passionate about. And, um, and then some doctor comes in and says, Hey, you're, you're actually bad. And you know, you've got this going on and you go to have a surgery and that doesn't go well. And um, so I think mentally, um, I'm very lucky to have, you know, my, my family and, and my, I mean, my parents, my wife and people around me that cared to, uh, but I barely didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, I would just wake up and, you know, you just, I don't want to say the word purpose, but you, you know, you, I was lost and I didn't have any hockey stuff up of myself. I didn't have any pictures of any thing in my house that were hockey related um, I didn't want it, you know, even some guys have their jerseys up or things they've been through and I didn't want anything to do with any of it. I mean, I, I gave my dad some stuff I had and let him hang on to it. But, um, I think mentally it was just kind of the only thing, you know, was taken away. And, you know, like you, like you said, injuries kind of pile up a bit, but I'm not somebody to ever have excuses. I mean, I think Maddie, you know, that it didn't matter what, what was wrong. I, you know, wasn't going to say boo. And I think when you hold things in and you try to live with it yourself or, um, you know, it just, unfortunately, I think some of the world we live in too, people, you know, would say things and they think you don't read it or don't hear it. And, and you do, and you pretend you don't, and you put on a persona like it doesn't bother you, but it does. I mean, I, I am a sensitive person because I care about people. And when it comes to something like yourself, it's like you kind of put on a persona like, oh, it's fine. I don't care. But I think we all do deep down. And I think at the end of the day, did my career end great? The answer is no. I mean, I went to Toronto and had all these injuries from even breaking my elbow to my temple and all these things that just, I, I, I couldn't have went any worse, but I don't regret a thing. I mean, I grew up a Leaf fan. I, I missed the devil's playing, but mentally, I think everything just had drained on me where, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to get out of bed. I just kind of wanted to lay in bed. And I was very lucky that when I went through this tough time, I mean, uh, John Davison and Bill Zito um, would come over and ask me to go scout with them. And I would travel down to Cleveland with them. And um, Adam Oates actually flew in and stayed with me for two or three days Um and I think he did it because he was worried. I mean, he came into town, took me out to dinner, hung out with me for three days. And I just was in a bad place mentally. And I had, you know, Pete DeBoer, Steve Spa. Like I had a lot of people that had reached out to make sure I was okay. And 
And I think it helped me. And I, and I realized that I have these, these three little kids running around and it's not about me anymore. It's about them. And I think that also, you know, between that and coaching kind of put me back on the rails. How appreciative are you of those guys that reached out to you that came around to try to help you through that period? And what does it speak about the hockey community as a whole, just the way it's so tightly knit and that everyone cares for each other? Yeah, it's, it's a big thing. I mean, you know, even Marty, I mean, they come in here once a year. Um, I was just with dog a month ago, came over for dinner um, when they were in town. A lot of us are pretty close. I mean, Whitey, my boy, Whitey, I'm sure you guys see him quite a bit, but um, all these guys just cared. I mean, for Otsi to come in here and, and Pete and spotter and I'm um, even Mr. Lamorello. I mean, I, I'm very lucky to have a core group of people that, you know, that we genuinely care for each other. I mean, those guys taught me the ropes between, you know, Langenbrunner, uh, Marty, Whitey, Madden, like all these guys kind of Jimmy Dowd, um, all these Bryce Salvador, all these guys kind of taught you the ropes and kind of taught you how to be young. And, you know, Mr. Lamorello taught me how to be a pro taught me how to be a, a, even a father. Like he taught me a lot of stuff that people don't realize in life. And I was lucky to have those people so that I think when I failed, I felt like I had a crutch. And for those guys to be there for me was, was a big thing. You know, I, I've never said it to Otzi, but the day that he flew in and, you know, went to dinner with me for a couple of nights and actually was trying to convince me to coach. I mean, it, it meant the world to me and, and, it, and it helped me, right. Because of the respect I have for him. So you're right. The hockey community is tight. Um, and there's a lot more people I didn't mention, but there's a lot of people that just were worried and, and, uh, you know, but it helps you through things. I think sometimes I try to tell these kids, I coach if a kid gets hurt or a kid seems like he's having a bad day, a text goes a long way or a phone call. Hey buddy, how you doing? And, um, and I was blessed to have people that did that for me. So it definitely helped me quite a bit. And it's interesting now because obviously mental health is such a big issue and people are finally addressing the things that probably should have been addressed a long time ago. So I, first of all, thank you for speaking so frankly and honestly, but second, was there a moment where, like the light just opened and you did want to start doing these things. I mean, I know you touched on having the family and uh, obviously coaching and all those little things, but was there a moment or was it kind of a gradual process that kind of got you back into refining that passion? Uh, I think what happened was, was, you know, enough guys were kind of knocking at the door and, you know, asking my wife, Hey, where's Clarky or, what's he up to? And, you know, it's hard to hear your wife have to tell him, Hey, he's just laying down or, you know, and it's middle of the day. Um, and, and I, I think it was actually John Davidson and Bill Zito wanted me to go with them and scout. And so I would travel around to these games and learned I was a pretty crappy scout because I had to write a report on someone I had never met, never got to meet them. They might have had a bad day. You know, their girlfriend might've dumped them the night before. I don't know, but I had to write this report on someone I never met. And, and that was hard for me because I more wanted to invest in the person. And I think a month later I had gone to Mr. Davison and Mr. Zito and said, Hey, uh, there's a position open for upper Arlington high school hockey. And I don't know how good the hockey is, but I'm going to apply for it. And so I went and did it and I, you know, went there and took over that program called Upper Arlington. And um, it was like a project for me. There were ups and downs. There were kids in high school that did the same things we did. And, you know, but it gave me that passion to kind of be like, well, this is awesome because you're able to be an impact. And 
So I think the light bulb was a little bit of that, but also I think my kids and my wife, like, you know, I, I, I love them to death and I wanted to be a father and I wanted to be supportive of their things. And um, so I think as players, like, I think we all go through things, you know, no matter if you're hockey players or no matter what avenue of life you're in and it's how we handle it. And I, I mean, I probably had a year and a half that I struggled, but, um, but now I'm doing awesome. I mean, I, I'm helping coach my son, take my daughter lacrosse. We travel together. Um, so it's been awesome. I miss coaching the older kids, you know, the older age, it was a lot of fun for me the last, you know, six years, but, um, investing in your own kids is a piece of advice someone gave me and uh you know you don't get that time back so i i think part of it is you know my family and you know people that gave me opportunities to learn what path i wanted to take well that's awesome and as sam said thanks so much for sharing it with us that story and uh, we're happy that you're uh, back and you found a spot where you're happy, you're contributing, and and life is good for David Clarkson. So do you impart on your players that the road to anywhere is never necessarily easy? For you, undrafted into the OHL, undrafted mm-hmm. into the NHL, and yet through perseverance, you were able to win, help win a Memorial Cup championship at Kitchener. And then you had a very good NHL career and went to a Stanley Cup final. Do you use yourself as an example? Uh, not too much. I try to kind of, um, I try to tell them life's like climbing a mountain. I said, my 90 year old aunt one day told me, you know, she, you know, she was getting older and she was still all there. And she's like, David, I'm 90 years old and I've been climbing this mountain my whole life and I've never got to the top and you're going to fall down and you're going to stumble. And if you get up and keep climbing, I'm 90. I never made the top of the mountain. So it means you're not going to make it to the top. But if you give up, that's the easy way. And so I do use a lot with these kids based upon work ethic. I mean, I do tell stories about, you know, teammates I played with more. Um, John Madden's one of them. I mean, you know, his path to get there, um, you know, just making them understand that I wasn't, you know, I, I ran an 08 practice yesterday, John Mitchell's team. And, uh, you know, the kids were kind of struggling. I brought them in and I was like, hey, if I was on this team, I'd be on the fourth line. But in two years, I would have worked all of you. And they all were looking at me like, what's he talking about? And I was like, you got to get that work ethic, like that determination that you want it more than anything else. And, you know, I try to tell them whether you're playing ping pong or cards, like if you beat me in cards, there's a chance one of my cards might land in your lap because I've thrown my cards. (laughs) But it's that competitive nature of, you know, winning isn't everything, but having that fire within you that you're never going to give up. And, And I think... You know, I do use a lot of teammates. Um, I do speak about Pete DeBoer quite a bit um, just because of what he taught me as a young kid. I mean, Robbie Fatork, another coach that I learned a lot from, but I think them understanding that my path was, you know, playing as an overage. And I think it was the lockout in 2003. Was it three, the first lockout there or four? Uh, four. Uh, yes. It was five, actually four or five. Yeah. So I actually went to Ottawa and they offered me a contract to go play in the American league that year. And, I, and I'll never forget. I walked in and I went to camp and they were like, Hey Dave, we're going to offer you a contract. Uh, you're going to be the 13th forward. And I was like, this is awesome deal. And I walked out and my agent was like, how to go. I'm like, I made the team. He's like, what'd they say? I said, they said, I'll be the 13th forward. He's like, did you realize that means you're not in the lineup? And I'm like, 
I didn't care. Someone was telling me they wanted me. So that was before I went back for my overage year. And, and I think, you know, I did go back and play my overage year, but I think those ups and downs of, you know, people telling you, you know, you're not good enough or, um, you know, that motivated me, you know, cause I wasn't the best skater. I wasn't, you know, flashy. I just, you know, I tried to lead with my heart and, and that, you know, cause good, bad and differ, but I would do anything for my teammates and on that ice and, you know, learning from a lot of guys like Mike Rupp and um, guys that kind of modeled that same mold that you did, Aaron Ashram, Cam Jansen. Like we had guys that were tough, but always would do anything for their teammates. And that's why I idolize guys like Wendell Clark and Dougie Gilmore and Gary Roberts. Like they wore their heart on their sleeve. And I tried to do that from a young age. Well, that's why you were so popular with the Devils, because you embodied all that New Jersey toughness, but teamwork as well. And that's why the fans loved you. Plus, you know, you would throw the occasional puck and wave and all the sort of things that, that you were able to do in warmups. Um, uh, that's done now by everyone. But, you know, you were there doing that. And that's why. In fact, that's why when you came back with Toronto, there were more signs that said, Hey, welcome back. Clarky than booze you know, the devil's <laughs> fans can be tough with people who leave yeah, and go somewhere yeah. else in free agency, but it wasn't yeah. true for David Clarkson. So uh, the fans, the fans certainly loved you and, and you're putting your talents down. You had 30 goals that year that the team went to the Stanley cup final. It was so magical from so many standpoints. What memories in particular do you have? Is there a game or games? Is there a moment that you said, Oh my goodness. Is this not awesome or what? I think, I think it was pretty special. I think, you know, and I'm just speaking from my experience, but I think when you have a coach that believes in you and this is for any player or has had you or knows what role you can play. I mean, pretty easy to play hockey with Patrick Elias and Zach Parisi, to be honest with you. Um, and I think they made me look better than I was. Um, but, but I also think, you know, for me getting in hard on pucks and, making sure, you know, no one was going to take a jeopardy on those two. Um, but, you know, I, I think just, it was a, it was such a fun season. I mean, I think we had four guys that year that had 30, I think Kovalchuk, I think maybe Parisi, I don't know for sure, but um, Eliosh, I think there was four or five guys that year. And a lot Sicky, of it had to do. Peter Sikora scored 21 goals. I mean, yeah. it was magic yeah. everywhere. We had a, we had a, you know, we, we just kind of, we clicked as a room, like we had fun together. I mean, Colby took care of these young guys and everybody. And, you know, it, it was, it was a magical year, but, but getting back to myself, I think, to be honest, you know, those two seasons where I think the next year we played 40 and I had 17 or something, but it was just, honestly, it was because I was put with good hockey players is number one reason. Um, I think the number two thing was the culture, like our locker room. Um, our power play, Adam most was running our power play at the time. And I think our power play was one or two in the league at that time. Um, it, it was fun. I mean, it was probably one of the hardest things to swallow, uh, when it ended, but one of the best experiences I've been through in my life as a group was just the group of guys that were in that room. I mean, you never forget that you never lose it. And, you know, I hadn't seen Patty in forever. And he walked up to me at the golf course, gave me a hug, like seeing Zay Jack, um, all these guys, cause I've really distanced myself from the game up till now. And it was just great to be around everybody again. And, and you became pretty good friends with Marty, didn't you? Yeah, we, you know, when I was young, I think, 
me and Marty's relationship was, uh, and we still, you know, I was just down there for his event. They're coming out here soon, uh, this winter, but we do spend a week together a year with our families. Um, he just took care of me. I think he, I think, you know, I was probably a young kid, not playing a ton. And, you know, I was willing to goof around with him. And I think that's how our relationship started was, you know, I would mess with his stuff. He would mess with my stuff. And I think a lot of guys were kind of standoffish because it's Martin Brodeur. And it's like, Oh, like, and I was like, well, it's funny if you mess with them, like, you know, and he kind of took me under his wings, his, his young kids. I used to play mini sticks with, uh, with the boys in the basement at his house. And, um, it, it just was, you know, he really kind of took me under his wing. He'd invite me to go to Shattuck to watch his kids play. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. And so I was like, sure. Like, you know, I've, I've never been on a private plane. Let's go over to watch the kids play. Cause sometimes he didn't have time to do anything. And so we just kind of hit it off and he's one of the best teammates I've ever played with. I, I was lucky to have, you know, all of those guys, that leadership group, but he really did take me under his wing and uh, take care of me when I was young. You mentioned pranking him or messing with his gear. Do you have a good story where you got a good joke on him that you can share? Or maybe he got a good joke on you, vice versa? Well, he actually, he uh, used to put like, and I like guys like MVP rookie cards in my helmet, like game days. So I'd be warming up and like guys would skate by and they're like, Clark, is a card in your helmet? Like, and I know it's like people think, hey, you got to take it serious and you're getting ready for a game. But that was kind of our relationship was, uh, you know, he would actually mail me. And I, I don't know if I've told anybody this. I think I have or Marty has, but he would he's put like a rookie card in a mailbox, sent it from a private thing. And so I opened the first box. There's a second box. I opened the second box and there's another box inside that. And I get to the third one and it's it's someone's rookie card, you know, and it's like. So things like that went on all year, like, you know, like we do in the room, you mess with guys, you know, stuff. And, um, but for us, it was just like, you know, things like that. Like, that's what I miss the most about not playing. I mean, I do miss, you know, the people that support you and fans, but the number one thing you miss is the locker room, the boys, you know, the guys that you're tight with and, um, you know, being on that ice, obviously you miss that, but, but the more fun part was, you know, you open your hotel door and your socks are soaked and you're like, you got to be kidding me. You know, someone put a leaner on the door. So I think those are the things we all miss the most when we're done. Um, and when we've been done for a while, I think it's even more. I tell my wife, uh, athletes are forever sophomores in many ways, sophomores in <laughs> high school, right? Just doing yes. goofy things like that. It's, it's oh, what yeah. keeps us all young. And that's why I love being around the game. It keeps me young. Uh, you know, it's, it's the same age group and Everybody in, has, has a lot of laughs and, and that's some, some good stuff. Now you mentioned jam Cam, uh, Cam Jansen. Now he was a fighter. You were a fighter, but he would be kind of like, I, I would call you middleweight. He'd be like a light heavyweight toward heavyweight. Tell me a little bit about, about that you had though, that you said this, this is hockey right now. Cause it's gone out of the game, but it was a big part of it when you were playing. It was. And I think you nailed it on the head there with Cam and, um, you know, for me, I think it, it, it wasn't just you were fighting to fight. And I think that's what people didn't realize. Like it was to change momentum of a game. It was to defend a player on your team. It was, it was, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I knew going in, I'm just going to fight this guy for fun and see what happens. It was, there was, there was something behind it. And um, I think for me, probably, um, 
Chris Neal. I mean, we used to have some pretty big battles where I think we'd both switch hands three or four times during the fight. And I mean, I loved it. I mean, I, if I could do it again and, and people always say, Oh, you guys are so lucky. You made like, you know, you did well and made money. I'm like, I would give it all back to have be like stand at center ice with people cheering for you. Like we miss it that much. And um, so I think for me fighting wise, I think, you know, Chris Neal and me had a guy that I really, um, I don't say enjoyed fighting, but had respect for. And, um, you know, I thought he played the game the right way and was tough. And so I think he was somebody that I really, I battled with on a, on a daily whenever we were playing Ottawa. We talk a lot about hockey, obviously. And I know with five kids, you probably don't have a lot of free time, but what are some hobbies or things you like to do, you know, just in your spare time or if you get any spare time? Um, yeah, I don't get a ton. Like I, I used to golf a little bit, but that doesn't happen so much anymore. Um, so I, I think I do enjoy like archery, outdoor stuff, hiking, biking. Um, you know, I, I try to uh, limit my kids from uh, video games or screen time. Um, so we're outside quite a bit playing sports and doing things and uh, stuff like that. But I, I do think I got into archery. I think, um, you know, I do enjoy that. But I'm so busy with these kids that it's... Uh, it's a lot to, uh, to have other hobbies at this point. How'd you get into uh, archery? Like that's an interesting, uh, hobby. You just pick up yeah, a bow I, and just pick going. Well, I think I kind of was just like learning, uh, just target shooting. And I, I think it was like good for my mind. I mean, I, I was someone that didn't sleep well. I overthink things. I, you know, just kind of, you're sitting there and you're focusing on something. I guess it's kind of like yoga for people. Um, and I've, I haven't done it in a while. I got to get back doing it, but I think it was kind of, you know, it just kind of was a place where you can relax, you know, like, um, and, and it kind of just helped me. Um, I, I don't know the reason behind it. I just kind of, I think part of it too was, you know, Scotty was a big archery guy and I always knew that. And, and I kind of like picked up a bow and just started messing with it. And uh, it kind of helped me just, I don't know, just for a half hour, not take a phone call or have someone, you know, a baby pulling at your leg. It was just like, you know, you had time to focus on something. Well, Clarky, it's been unbelievably great to spend time with you uh, and hear your stories, the successes, the tough times you went through. And now back on the other side, and I, I know I speak for every New Jersey Devils fan that you will always have a spot in their hearts. I mean, your number is not going to hang from the banners, right? <laughs> and I say that respectfully. Yeah, but yeah. you, from an emotional standpoint and a love standpoint, you're right up there with those guys because of how you played, what you did. You gave it your all, and Devils fans will remember you forever. It's, it was just wonderful to see you play and have the opportunity to call those games and get to know you a little bit. And it's awesome to be able to uh, reconnect again. No. And I, I want to thank you guys. I mean, I don't do this stuff very often, but for you, I would do anything. You're one of my favorites. Like I said, and to the devil's fans, I mean, I was honored to wear that Jersey. Um, you know, Mr. Lamorello gave me a chance as a young kid and I'll never forget that, but the culture he created and the fan base there. I mean, I was very blessed everywhere I went to have, you know, good fans, Toronto, Ohio, but 
I mean, when it's your first place and where you had the success we had and you went through what we did, it, it was it was an honor to wear that jersey. I just feel lucky to have been able to be a part of an organization like that. And following Nana's words, you're doing good. And that's I've, the most important thing. Thanks so much. I for your appreciate time, it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Clarky. Clarky, thanks, man. Powerful, powerful story, Sam, as related by David Clarkson. But it's not a sad story. It's a, it's a story of of succeeding, success, overcoming. And but boy, you can only imagine all those things that many athletes have to deal with. And he was willing to publicly address them and deal with them. Yeah, I think sometimes fans forget that these guys are just human. You know, they're just people. And someone who cares so much about other humans, like a David Clarkson, is, is so emotional. So for when you go through a tough time, it's all that more compounding. But it, it, you know, with the mental health pushes of these days and wanting people to be open and talk about their situations and their depression and to hear him talk about that and discuss openly and candidly that, you know, in the afternoon, he didn't want to get out of bed and he just wanted to lay in bed all day and not do anything. And he would have friends visit him and he'd have to hear his wife in the next room tell him, oh, he's not up for it. And like, cause he just didn't want to see people, didn't want to be around people and just dealing with that. And then, as you said, of course, then finally working his way out of it. And you saw the hockey community was worried about him and came together and obviously they loved him dearly. So wanted to see him kind of come out of that and they rallied around him. And then slowly but surely he was able to break through and get back and refine that passion for the game, refine his passion for life. And, and it was a tough road, you know, and I love that he was so open with us about it. And as you said, a happy ending because he did find his way through and now he's just out there coaching and, you know, living with his five kids all running around the house and living his best life. And so it does have a, a very happy ending, obviously. And uh, everyone in the office loved him. Incredibly respectful. Still calls Lou Mr. Lamorello, who's Mr. John Davidson. That's Mr. just the, Well, he did get that in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that, that moves me into another demographic, I guess. But I appreciate that. It'll always be David Clarkson. And hopefully he'll continue to call me Maddie. But um, yeah, I was thrilled to see him at Marty's Golf Tournament. And when I mentioned the podcast, he was like, yeah, you know, anything. So really good. And uh, yeah, he was just just one of those guys, man, that you, you kind of gravitated toward. He uh, gravitated towards. He he just had a smile on his face. He'd give you his time. He cared about you. And uh, there are many stories we can tell. Just conversations that he had uh, with me, say about family. You know, whether it's mine or then talking about his wife, and then talking about his parents. And I didn't know that about his nana, who gave him those words of wisdom a week before she passed, but just that kind of guy. He's, he was kind of an open book in many ways and just giving and love spending time with him. And I love spending time with you, Sam, by the way, and this was a great show. Yeah. Mutual. I love getting to know David. I didn't know him. Like, like I said, I know as well as you did or have that same bond, but I can see everything that you said right in, in the 45 minute conversation that we had. And, and I can see why it was so endearing and Maddie love spending time with you as well. It's awesome, man. As we get to uh, spend on this show, time speaking with former players, current players, and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes reliving devil's history, sometimes talking about the current state of affairs, all good on Speak of the Devil. So, Sam, thanks very much for your time. As always, we'll see you at the ring soon. And for all the listeners, thank you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Speak of the Devils is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Until next time, I'm Matt Lachlan. Stay safe. Be well. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.